And so today we're going to continue to talk about what it means to experience freedom in our relationship with God and why that's so important. And we started talking about the story of God and how he, you know, he made this world uh, not like we experience it today, but he made this world uh, for it, it, that was perfect. It was full of peace, love, and justice. All the things that we long for it to be right now, it did exist. But we messed it up. We turned away from this God who was life. We turned away from God who was love. He embodied those things. And to walk away from him was to reject love, to reject life. And so it brought, it brought in brokenness into our world. It's what the scriptures say and calls, defines as sin. And we've messed it up, and we feel the effects of that brokenness. But God didn't leave us there. He came to redeem us, and that's why we celebrate Jesus so much, because he did that. And not only that, in his story of us, he's come to restore us. And he has promised, and he will one day restore things, make all things right. But he started with you, to make things right with you. And so today, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about two major points, and I'm going to give them to you up front. Here's what we're going to talk about. The first one is this, that Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough for you and me. We'll unpack that here in a little bit. And then the second one is longer. It's first short statement and then long one. The second one is being free is the only place in which real heart change can take place. So we're calling this lifted because... I know from talking with you, I know um, just, just in our conversations that, and just my own life right now, because of the pandemic and everything that the world has, has had to change and, around and do, like we feel a, a tremendous weight. We feel a lot of anxiety, a lot more than we had before. Uh, there's a lot of tension in our world. There's a lot of arguing happening. There's a lot more divisions. And the divisions that we had now seem to be more fractured, and it's hard. Life is not easy to engage, and we are feeling the weight of that. But as Christ followers, we do have a hope. And so if you're, if you're a Christian, you're following him, yet you're still feeling this anxiety, you're still, still feeling this weight. Well, the principles, these principles you need to know, because it reminds you and it helps you understand more deeply where you can walk into freedom and feel lifted. And if you don't know God, you're pursuing him. This is an incredible opportunity to find out about this. Because Jesus came to turn religion on its head and to bring us into a relationship. And one of those things, I talked about it, is walking us away from religion. And you see the scriptures. If, you, if you've struggled with the church or religion in general, you will love hearing Jesus' words. You'll, you'll love watching his life. And you'll, it's interesting when you read the scriptures because it it confronts the problems that religion brings of trying to follow all these rules to get to God. And, and the Apostle Paul was someone who had been very religious. He wrote a ton of our New Testament scriptures. He was somebody who was, he came from a very strong Jewish background. He was what was a Pharisee, someone who was trained, it was educated in all the religious culture. He knew it well. And so he was writing to this new church, and he was, he was writing to his fellow Jews about how they stood on the pride of their rituals and of their history. And one of those rituals, and this is a crazy thing to say out loud, was circumcision. It was a very big deal, if you know anything about that, for them. And for them, it showed how they belonged, and they were part of God, and they would rule it over others with a lot of pride. And Paul was confronting that. And he says, you need to understand 
what Christ came and what it really represented was a picture of what was to come. And he's talking about this, and he, he picks this up in Romans 2, and he says, he says, a true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. He says, rather, it is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. Huge phrase there. He says, and a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. He's like, you need to be careful because you've missed the whole point. And he, he's talking about how, how circumcision, and, and you may be like, this is a crazy analogy, but this is why God gave it. But circumcision was to represent our hearts, the brokenness that we have, and the need for that to be stripped out, to be cut away. And that is what Christ came to do, his death and resurrection allowed sin to be put to death once and for all. And the purpose is for us to be lifted. And so the second part of that, it says, a person with a changed heart is no longer trying to seek praise from others. They're no longer concerned about what people think of them. Their trust and their freedom is in God. I'll dive into that a little bit deeper here in just a little bit, but how do we pursue God then? What are the ways in which we try to go after Him? Well, one is is similar to what Paul was talking about. And this is one that I resonate with a lot of times because I grew up in a very religious background. I grew up going to church all the time. My parents took me to church every single week. And so I, I gave my life to God early. I began to follow Him. And so I, I just began to, to be raised in this culture that was about morals. And so for many of us, the religious pursuit is a moral pursuit to prove that we're right with God, to prove that we're okay with Him. And it becomes something that we do to feel okay, to say, God loves me and I'm accepted by Him. And I began to do that. I was like, my, my life needs to look good. I need to actually behave and do things right so that I'm okay. And I would participate in activities and, and, and go to church and do other things, and I would feel good about myself. But then I would begin to live my life, and I couldn't keep it up. <laughs> and I would feel insecure. I would feel shame and guilt because I couldn't do the things that I was supposed to do. I kept messing it up, and I felt guilty before God. God, I'm sorry I did this, sorry I did this, sorry I did this. And I didn't have inter, inner peace. I still walk into that rhythm even now. It can be following God, but get so caught up in the moral pursuit of that that you don't have inner peace. Maybe you've been struggling with that. You just feel guilty before God and for others and how you've treated them, and you're so ashamed of what your heart really does when you're alone or when you get mad or when pressure comes. We try to pursue and prove our worth through our moral excellence. Another way we do, we do this is we try to prove our worth through our achievements and being fulfilled, finding things that fulfill us. Essentially, they eventually become things that we put in place other than God. And for many of us, this is like purposeful. We're like, I don't want to care about God. I don't believe in Him or I, I, you know, I'm angry at Him or whatever it may be. I'm going to pursue my own interests, things that make me happy because pursuing Him didn't. But many times it's just how we are pursuing our worth. And so it can come through your job. 
Your job brings you worth. The paycheck and how much that paycheck is brings value to who you are. It's something that you can compare against with others. It could be the type of work that you do. And it, maybe for you, your work means getting a promotion. That means that you're valuable. And so if your worth is tied to it. Now, none of these things are bad in and of themselves. They're good. They're things that God has given us. In fact, we're going to talk about that more in depth, our work starting next week. But none of these things are bad in and of themselves. But when our worth is tied to it, it changes things. So then everything has to revolve around it. And then if you need to get ahead in your job, if you have to compromise to do it, You'll do it. Even if you were someone who was trying to pursue and have good morals, eventually, if that's your worth, you'll do whatever it takes. You'll get more pay, but you'll suddenly have to compromise time in life with others. Maybe you ignore your family. There are consequences when it becomes everything. Money can be this way. For many, maybe for you, you grew up without much money, or it was you know, something that that uh, you just love. There's all different kinds of reasons. And maybe for you, it represents security. Maybe you grew up in an environment that wasn't very secure. And so money for you represents being secure. And so you need to get a certain amount. And you set a goal. And you got there. But then it was like, well, that's, that's not enough. And now I need more. And so money can begin to run our lives. We also do this with relationships. And relationships, if a relationship is your worth, having a relationship or being married one day, then you might actually not be interested in the, the person that you marry as much as just having that. And maybe you think, or maybe you thought, depending on where you're at in this, this phase of your life, that if you got to be married, then everything will be fine. But then you found that there are differences between you and the other person. You have to work hard at that. And there was conflict that arose where there are problems from your past that you thought would go away, and they never did. And relationships got harder. And when things get tough, or when things go wrong, it becomes a problem when, that you, when your worth, your identity is tied to it. Whatever it may be, it's, a, it's hard for us when we actually get what we want, because then we found out it wasn't everything we thought it would be, and then we need more. It ultimately doesn't satisfies. When it does work out, when you finally get it, you got everything you wanted, you're like, oh man, it's not enough. I need more. Listen to these. These are just famous quotes. One is from Madonna. This is from a Vogue article, uh, a Vogue magazine article written, uh, written on her interview. And she says, even though I have become somebody, I mean, Madonna, even now, like you don't hear as much of her music anymore, but she was someone who was so renowned internationally. She says, even though I've become somebody, I still have to prove that I am somebody. She's like, it just keeps happening. She says, my struggle has never ended, and I guess it never will. Tom Brady. Tom Brady is someone who most people know, and he's a quarterback, right? And this is a while ago now, but this, this quote from him, this is a famous quote from an interview that was done on 60 Minutes. And he had won three Super Bowls at this point in time. And now he's won a lot more. And he was beginning to have fame beyond football. And he says this. He says, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? 
He says, I think that there's got to be more than this. And it was amazing in this interview, if you ever watch it, it, he's so passionate. This is coming from a very deep place in him. He says, this can't be all that it's cracked up to be. But he achieved it. He's dating, he's dating celebrities. He's marrying celebrities. He's achieving Super Bowls. He's an incredible athlete. He's essentially living a life that a lot of guys would love to live. And he's like, this, this can't be all that it's cracked up to be. He couldn't find meaning in this. And the person interviewing him says, well, what's the answer? From a very passionate place, he says, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. When you find it, when you get there, you realize this can't satisfy me. But then when it doesn't happen, whatever defines you, when it doesn't happen, it devastates you. If you lose your job and that was your identity, your world comes crashing down. People that you love, you think that they don't, well, won't love you anymore. And, and all these things that come with it come crashing down. If you lose a relationship and that was your identity, it will wreck your world. These are the burdens that we carry. This is the weight that we feel. And when we've been walking through this pandemic this past year, some of these things have crashed and our anxiety has gone up. And that's why I want you to know that Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. This is the hope that we have and we declare before you today. Several years ago now, I suddenly found myself in a place, in a transition. I changed jobs in fact, I, I moved to a completely different area of the country, and I was not ready for that. It was a total shocking change. I'd been in the Northeast. I loved it there, and I'd worked hard to, to be in that point. And, but it was suddenly the funding for the job that I have was, was gone, and I knew transition was coming, and I'd been praying, and then this opportunity came, and the only place I had to go was a new church job somewhere really far away, and it felt completely like God had turned on me, and the direction that I was going had been completely shifted another way. My heart, my mind, my calling, and everything was to be a part of the church in the Northeast. And yet here I was in a completely different direction, and I was devastated. And so to cope with that, I, as a Christ follower, I was like, well, there's a reason for this. And so I began to search for that reason. I was like, there's got to be something that God's going to do. And so I began to, you know, I was like, okay. I was single at the time. I was like, well, I, you know, dating. I'll start dating others. Like, there's a purpose there. I was going to find somebody, and then we'll move back, and all these different things. And things were working out. And, I mean, anything that I could search for. And some of the things that I did were incredible opportunities. I, I took a trip to Indonesia, and I just kept pursuing it. Like, the tsunami had happened in Indonesia, and there's a group, a small group of people from across the country that were able to gather and go and do relief work there. And it was an amazing opportunity. And the things that I experienced there were life-changing, impacted me greatly. But ultimately, I was just finding more and more things to try to say, okay, what is it that there's a reason for why I'm here? But when I came back home, I was exhausted. I had gotten sick on the trip. And those, those issues in my heart were still waiting for me there. I even tried to date, started to date a girl that was on the trip. It was long distance, it was hard, and we eventually were both like, this is just not going to work. And it was, 
It was very nonchalant, but we were on a phone call together, and I was like, you know, we, we probably shouldn't do this. She's like, yeah, I'll send the same way. I was like, okay, great. And it was just very normal. It just started. It was like, okay. But for some reason, when I hung up the phone, it wasn't a big emotional thing, but I suddenly was overwhelmed with anxiety at that moment. And I was so confused. Literally, I could feel it. it was a, I had a physical reaction probably similar to a panic attack. And I, my heart was in my throat, and I couldn't calm down, and I was so confused. I was like, why in the world am I freaking out over this? This is not a long-term relationship or anything, and I couldn't understand it. And I remember I was working in a church, and they had a tiny prayer room, and I ran to it, and I was like praying. I was like, God, you said if I pray before you, you help take our anxiety away. We experience your peace, and I'm praying, and I'm not experiencing your peace. And through time, I don't know how long it took, if it was that day or later, but I, I began to understand and realize that it was that moment that I ran out of reasons. I ran out of reasons for why this change had happened. God was not going to come forth and say, you've moved here and this is this. There was no answer. My identity was in the status of my life, the trajectory, and the purpose. A continual direction for me proved that, I was, that, that God was at work in my life and that I was approved. It said that I was doing the right thing. That was my identity and it was gone. But my relationship with Christ had not changed. I had not done, I hadn't done things to grieve him. I hadn't done anything like super awful. I was just changing jobs. That was, was, I was having, making decisions in the freedom that he had given me. My status with him was approved, a righteous son of God. He was all that I needed. What I did did not define and that bottom-dwelling type of feeling and place for me was a, was a place where it began to draw me closer to Jesus because then I began to experience him in a much deeper way because he began to be my soul's strength and identity. And what a beautiful thing. And I eventually got to see the purpose in everything that was happening, but it was just not on my timeline. We have a God who loves you and is pursuing you to free you up. Listen to what this looks like. This is found in Romans 3. The Apostle Paul is engaging us, and he says, Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the, enti to the entire world, or that the entire world excuse me, is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. If you remember the first week we talked about the Ten Commandments, like, this is where we're like, God, you gave us this. Listen, we, it shows us that we can't keep it. We can't do it. It just shows that we're broken. He goes on to say, he goes, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. This is how we are made right with God. 
He says, for everyone has sinned. We've all done it. He says, for all, we all fall short of God's glorious standard, that standard of life and love. We've all fall short of that. Yet God, in his grace, listen to this word, freely, freely makes us right in his sight. It's amazing. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Did you hear that? He freed you from it. There's no cage that you're in. You're out. When you believe in Christ, that's it. You're moved. The cage is gone. You're freed. You don't ever go back in Christ. You're always, always, always approved. Even when you continue to blow it. Even when you lash out a friend. Even when you you know, turn your back on someone. You do something horrible. He's freed you. No matter how good you try to be, you know you can't reach it. Only Christ can do that. It's amazing. And Paul says, can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No. We haven't done anything. You can't. He says, no, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It's not based on keeping the rules. It's based on faith. I love that. You trust. You get to a place where you say, all right, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I've been reading, I've been listening, I've been engaging this. I believe. And I trust you. Our acquittal, the removal of sin, is based on faith. And it's that understanding that brings us to the place that we are all longing for to be lifted. When I feel anxiety, when I feel frustration, when I feel fear, when I, have, when I don't have inner peace, it means that I have found I've been chasing something completely other in Him. He is the only one that can really satisfy. Jesus became rejected so that we could be free from rejection. Going back to this Romans 2.29, I want you to understand his heart for you. It says, In true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. It's something that God is doing in Jesus is enough for you. He is all that you need. He will bring life and purpose for the other things, for our jobs, our relationships to work. But when all that fails, when the pandemic hits, he's all you need. He's the foundation that we want to stand on. And then the second thing is that Jesus came to free us. Being free is the only place in which real heart change will take place. It's only from your free standing that you actually begin to see God lift you out of things. Heart change. Finding that freedom, like begin to experience that freedom, begin to walk away from things that drag us down to death and to 
decay. It only happens when we accept our freedom in Christ. We go to him with our freed up hearts. We're no longer under condemnation. We say, okay, I'm yours. And that's when we begin to actually experience the restoration, the renewal that he says that he's going to bring. You are accepted by God. This is why it says in Hebrews, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Your conscience is clear. You're like, I blew it this week. Go before God, because he died to take, to take that away. So that means you go and you begin to engage him. And here's why this is important. Your freedom, and this is what we'll end with, your freedom is what allows you to actually look at your sin without condemnation. You can say, this no longer is my identity. This is not me. Okay, I did this. This is my sinful nature. And then we see Christ to say, God, help me walk away from this. When you really understand God's love for you, when you understand Jesus' incredible love, you'll understand that you can say, I did this. Yes, we admit it. And that releases its power on you. It doesn't lead you to condemnation. It leads you to his grace. And that is overwhelming. And it's why we want to say, Jesus, I give you my all because you are the best thing that I can pursue. We begin to release this thing's power on us. And he begins to do the work of renewal, of restoration in your heart. And that work lifts you up. The place of admitting is usually where we find condemnation. But with God, with Christ, it's it's the place of grace. And that's the only way we actually change and really walk away from sin. That's when he does the heart work. Only he can do that. This is why we love and we serve him. We don't, we don't pursue him out of hoping we're made right, we pursue him and we do the things to obey him out of love. We follow him in truth out of love. We take the step of baptism when we become a Christ follower because he's asked us to do that. We know that following him is the best thing that we can do. We give financially because it comes from a gratitude and overflow of our heart because we love him. We serve others. We love others. We sacrifice for them because he did that for us. We forgive others because he forgave us. And when we do all those things, we experience his love in a greater way. You are free. You're not condemned. And when we understand that, we change. I pray that you will pursue God this week. How can you engage him to say, this is me. Help me be like these. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this incredible word from your scripture. I pray that we would know this freedom. I pray that we would know your love. 
that we can admit who we are. It's not going to make you run away from us. In fact, you ran to us and threw your arms around us at the very same moment. May we know that love and then walk towards freedom and walk away from death. We thank you and ask all this in your name.